0: It's at Titan University with Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, and I'm pretty sure Greg Olson's there too. By the way, Khalil Mack was ranked as one of the top 10 players in the NFL by Pro Football Focus. But if you know football and you know us guys, you know that you don't need Khalil. You don't need any rankings to justify Khalil Mack being a top 10 player. That's just how it goes. But what's going on, guys? Welcome to the Fireside Bears podcast. My name's Usaid Kosho. You can follow me on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram at Usaid Kosho. got my co-host AJ Desai in the house. You can follow him on Twitter at AJ Desai4. Sam's at work again, unfortunately. Hopefully, he's back next week. I know it's summertime, so everyone's schedules are screwed up. But hey, listen, make sure you're following Fireside Bears on Twitter, YouTube, tiktok facebook and instagram at fireside bears check out our sponsor audacia sports guys you got these awesome justin Fields stickers some really cool chicago bear stickers all right i got my justin fields pack in my hand right now the stickers are literally still in the pack i only opened up i didn't stick them on anything because i don't have anything to stick them on but aj man what's going on thanks so much for being on here
1: it's always a slice to come on this podcast. Love this podcast. You know, every Tuesday we wrap it down, we break it down and, you know, talk bears on here. Um, but yeah, thanks for having me on as usual. Um, kind of just repeated myself, but yeah, dude, I got my Justin Fields pack like uh, last week, I think. And I have it on my laptop case in the front. So there's like, have it set up like where Justin Fields, it's like um, tosses the ball up and it's, that's in the center. And then, i have the other two on the corner so it's pretty cool i don't have them on the back of my phone because my my uh, my phone case is um embroidery so i don't mm-hmm. i don't i can't stick it on there so um but yeah um let's talk some bears boss man let's uh, let's get right into it um do you think cole Komet can make transition from last year to a, a tight end like actually beating that tight end U and all of that with uh, greg olson
0: Yeah, I think he can, because if you look at the NFL, and again, Greg Olson was really at his prime about 10 years ago, and he's one of the original flex tight ends in the NFL, just in the sense that he could line him up as a U or a Y tight end. And I think when you look at Cole Komet last year, the second half of the season, when the Bears were running that play action heavy scheme to cover up Mitch Trubisky's deficiencies, the reality of the situation was that you saw Cole Komet, basically have schemed and open looks. And I think that we're going to see a lot of the same this year because the down the stretch last season, I mean, the last like eight, nine games, Colcomat played about 85, 86% of the snaps. Like I've mentioned on here before, the key thing to keep in mind with that is just that it was a tale of two halves for Colcomat. And I've written about this for fireside bears. I've written about this for bear report. The reality of the situation is the bears see Colcomat as someone who can be a true U tight end or a Y tight end. It's just a matter of him getting those reps. Now, he's got a large catch radius. He's got a big frame, which works to his advantage. One area where he lacks his speed, but that's okay because you can always scheme players open in the NFL.
1: Absolutely. And, like, you know, I mean, I'm looking at the photos right now in the article, and, like, this guy looks jacked I mean not that he was jacked before at Notre Dame like you know as a Notre Dame fan you know able to see uh Cole commit like like you like you mentioned like the quarterback deficiencies you know I really thought Ian Book was like more of a glorified Trubisky in the in a Notre Dame pass pro offense um so that's the thing I mean like I think if Notre Dame had a talent more talented quarterback like the one that we're bringing in in a couple years like Tyler Buchner, I think he would have been a lot better and a lot more suited for Cole Komet than Ian book would have. I mean, no, no shade against Ian book or anything like that. It's just, you know, he waited too long to get uh for Cole Komet to get open. And like, when he hit him, Cole Komet was either going out of bounds or he was going to get tackled. That's why he only had, I think about less than just shy of like 700 yards and six or eight touchdowns there in Notre Dame. So, I mean, like he didn't really emerge until like the junior or senior season there over there in Notre Dame. So, um, but I think it's cool. You know, um, uh, right there, you got, uh, Greg Olson in your face and he's, um, doing that shoulder workout and it's, it's pretty cool. I mean, I, I, I'm all for it as a Notre Dame fan, uh, as, as a person who also went there for my master's degree, it's just been pretty cool. You know, George Kittle has been involved in this too. And, you know, it, it seems like Titan university has helped a lot of athletes and hopefully, uh, Matt can show it on the field. Um, I mean, he only finished with 28 receptions, 243 yards and two touchdowns in his first season at the Bears splitting time with Jimmy Graham and Demetrius Harris. But, you know, you say if he if he uh, if he improves in training camp and he improves in preseason, then there is a shot that Cole Komet could get like 125 targets this season. Um, If you look back to uh, one more point before you can go, if you look back to George Kittle's numbers, his rookie year, uh, I think he had about 70 to 80 targets and he doubled those targets in his second year. So, I mean, you have to have the expectation for a second round pick out of Notre Dame, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I think 125 targets is kind of realistic, but I also think that when you look at just expectations, and by the way, speaking of expectations, we're going to have a great guest on, my one of my good friends, Eric Jensen. Uh, it was a really cool, about a 50-minute conversation with him. But I think when you just look at expectations for Cole Komet, I mean, 125 is way too much. I think that when you add two quarterbacks like Dalton and Fields, there's a lot of weapons you have weapons because you have robinson miller mooney and again if you want more on anthony miller we'll do that in our wide receiver positional preview which is going to be dropping on our youtube channel in a couple of days with myself and max smith but i just think that when you overall look at the expectations for commit do we expect him to start and take a step forward yet yeah. do we expect him to break out 110 percent But I also think that 125 receptions is unrealistic. I would say anywhere between 50 to 60 receptions. I mean, is pretty good for Cole Komet. Because he only had 28 receptions last year. He was not targeted much. He only had two drops. Now, I know some people are going to be like, oh my God, he had only two drops. Yeah, he's got pretty good hands. But also the problem with Cole Komet is this, is that just he got really... His targets last year were really down. I mean, I'm pretty sure he only had like... 30-something targets. So the reality of the situation for Cole is just that it's not about volume, I think, especially when it comes to the tight ends. It's not about volume when it comes to receptions. It's more so just like the impact they're making because the Bears have been searching for so long for a good tight end in the Matt Nagy offense. I mean, we thought it was going to be Adam Shaheen. That didn't happen. Then you brought in Trey Burton with Shaheen to – run more 12 personnel in the two tight end sets and then Burton and Shaheen didn't work out so then you were forced to look at guys like Jesper Horstead and JP Holtz and Eric Sobert those guys okay you know what they're nothing but depth Sobert's not even on the roster anymore and now you have Jimmy Graham you have Cole Komet so everyone just like oh yeah well you know what Ryan Pace sucks at drafting tight ends which again yeah it does he does suck but then I'm gonna tell you guys right now and this I know for a fact is the Bears had because this is what teams do teams grade when it comes to setting up their draft boards right a team that's going to value a tight end in their scheme is ultimately going to have a higher grade on a specific tight end whether Mm -hmm. it's a u or a y based Mm -hmm. on how they want to use that player in that scheme whereas another team might look at the same player and be like you know what no I'm not going to have as high of a grade. So the Bears, yeah, they, we know that they had like a second-round grade on Komet, whereas other teams didn't necessarily have a second-round grade. So Cole was actually higher on the Bears draft board for the 43rd overall pick in 2020 compared to a lot of teams. And there are actually some national media guys like Daniel Jeremiah of NFL Network talking about how Cole could possibly be a the only first-round pick, actually. And I think right now when you look at the 2021 draft, there's a serious argument to be made that Cole's probably – the second or third tight end off the board after Kyle Pitts and Pat freer And then also, when you look at the 2019 draft, then Cole would have been the third guy off the board after Noah Fant and TJ Hawkinson.
1: No, yeah, I see all those. Uh, Those are all valid points. I mean, you know, myself, I had uh, a third-round grade on Cole Komet, like top third round. You know, I think he would be, like, gone by, like, picks 70, but, like, you know, the Bears got him. I mean, like, I'm not, not like, complaining about the pick or anything. I just hope he takes the next step forward. But, like, you know, just going back to, like, you know, the expectations of targets and stuff, you know, I mean, George Kittle, like, I mean, like, I, I just, I, I don't want to compare offenses and head coaches or anything. I think, I think Matt Nagy could put Cole Komet in a position to succeed, like you're saying. Um, I think my, my Kyle Shanahan is a wizard. Um, at the offensive coordinator, he's an offensive guru. Like, you know, he's, he's up there and he's highly respected as one. And, you know, if like, I'm not going to say if, if George Kittle can go from 63 targets to 136, um, Cole Komet only had 40, 45. Yeah. Uh, 44 targets. So, I mean, like in catching 23, so, you know, um, I like using your, uh, transition, the reality of the situation, um, The reality of the situation here, folks, is that temper your expectations when it comes to comparing the numbers of George Kittle and Cole Komet. I mean, I'm only expecting a maximum targets of 125, And even at myself deep down, I think that's pushing it. You know, I think he only gets targeted like 115 times or 110, maybe, maybe 105 because you also have Jimmy Graham on the roster too. And they may not let go of him. So you have to actually uh, do the math in your head and see where his targets are going to come from. So um, that's all taking all the targets in my head and then playing six, six, uh, then playing 17 games. So um I think Cole Komet's jump is going to come in year three. I think this is going to be that year where he takes that transition. And then obviously the bears will get out of Jimmy Graham's contract. I mean, a lot of people wanted him gone, but I mean, I started doing some reading and stuff before this podcast. And I mean, like aside from getting rid of your top touchdown scorer, why get rid of him? I mean, if he's scoring points and he's getting those yards, why get rid of him? You know, at one point, you are going to cut your losses with Kyle Fuller anyway with the contract, right? So, you know, maybe maybe it makes sense. Maybe the Bears wanted to balance their offense and defense. I mean, I don't know, but like you know, going back to the whole expectations. I mean, this is all cool and stuff with Cole Komet playing tight end, you and going to tight end, you and stuff. But like, please, like I hope Matt Nagy sees all this and he could put him in a position to succeed, like you said, and um, obviously you know, make the make the transition into being a good tight end in the league.
0: Those are things that we obviously all hope, all hope happens because there's a, a whole segment of the population that was like, why the hell would you take Cole Comet at 43rd overall? So some yeah. people labeled it a reach at the time. I mean, we know for a fact that what's labeled a reach in the moment does not necessarily mean that it's going to be a reach a couple years later because a couple of years later – I want to say 2023-2024, we could be looking at Cole Komet as being one of the top tight ends in the league, which at that point, no one's going to care that he was picked 43rd overall. But the Bears roster, you mentioned balancing it out. It's interesting because I think one of the ways they balanced it out was adding depth to some positions, but then taking depth away from others. I mean, you add depth to the offensive mm-hmm. line, but you take depth away from cornerback by releasing Kyle Fuller. So I'm curious to know, what position – and positional groups on this roster right now, are you looking at that are just so bad when it comes to depth? There's a lack of depth right there. You're not sure what the Bears are going to do if someone goes down.
1: Well, definitely cornerback, right? I mean, like I, I just said that, like, you know, in the past, in the past uh, point about tight ends, it makes sense in a tight end verse, but from a secondary verse, it doesn't make any sense at all to cut tight, end uh, to cut on um, Kyle Fuller, right? To, to uh, put all of that weight on the second year corner, and Jalen Johnson, you know, I mean, I get that you signed Desmond Trufant, but like, you know, it's only a one point zero million deal. And then you have guys like Thomas Graham, Kendall Vildor and stuff. I mean, like if those guys um, stand out like Josh Norman out of the woods, fantastic. You know, that's, that's what we need, you know? I mean, and if Jalen Johnson can improve from, from what he did last year, great. You know, then we're set. But like, if, if just in case it doesn't go our way, then fans and, of course, the organization will probably look back and be like, oh, my God, we kept um, uh, Jimmy Graham over Kyle Fuller because if the middle of the season – let's just say Cole Komet is doing really good and you just can't go away from him. And then Jimmy Graham's just sitting on the bench 60 or 70% of the time, you're going to be itching your leg up there in the suite that like, Oh God, got rid of a top 15 corner and we kept Jimmy Graham. So that's the thing. So from a, from a tight end verse, it's good from, from a secondary verse, it's bad because we got rid of a cornerback in the whole process when we should have gotten rid of somebody else And actually, you know, trusted the rookie that we drafted in the second round. So it all, you know, it can go both ways.
0: It definitely can go both ways. You mentioned cornerback, and cornerback's a really good one, but I think I'm going to stick with the tight end talk here because when you ultimately look at the Bears' roster, especially when it comes to the tight end position, I mean, it's one of the weakest positional groups on the roster, but there's also a significant amount of upside. Now, the reason I say that is just look at this roster right here. You have Jake Butt, Jimmy Graham, Scooter Harrington, J.P. Holtz, Jesper Horstead, and Cole Clement. You have six guys on the roster, Okay. At, in the tight end room. Jake, but we know, has been injured. Tore his ACL twice. Jimmy Graham, a player that... Okay, Jimmy's out of his prime. 2021 should be his last season. Scooter Harrington, just an undrafted free agent from Stanford, who, again, the Bears have had some luck with undrafted guys, like Jesper Horse said at the tight end position, but they've never really amounted to much and then okay jp holtz is another just blocking tight end and then you have horstead who i just mentioned who's had one career moment and that's it he should not be on this roster and then you have cole Komet. now i'm looking at this and i'm going to tell you right now what needs to happen is this is graham but holtz and commit should be making the roster those should be your four tight ends i think that you stash a guy like Harrington on Harrington or Horsted, both of them can go on the practice squad because you do have a couple extra practice squad spots to see if they further develop but other than that there's absolutely zero reason to keep these some of these guys around and I also think that we have to factor this major part into the major part that we need to factor in is it's just like that end is never really for the Bears especially I mean they've had solution that the tight end position in the past with like Desmond Clark and Greg Olson but they haven't had one in nearly a decade at this point I mean Martellus Bennett was serviceable but he wasn't a top tier guy right I mean what Martellus Bennett gave the Bears is ultimately what you're hoping the worst version of Cole Komet gives the Bears all right and again Bennett was pretty good for a guy who played about a decade ago so ultimately just looking at this tight end room man, it's the worst on the roster when it comes to depth because it's like you mentioned with cornerbacks I mean one of these guys goes down all of a sudden you're in a situation you're in a conundrum because then you're relying on people like Holtz or Jake Butt to fully stay healthy and again Jake Butt I think is going into year four or five so he is relatively young but we've seen in this league so many times multiple injuries back to back to real players so much and so Really, Jake, but at this point, it's just a training camp body to push Horstead, Harrington, and Holtz. But other than that, I mean, yeah, it's pretty much Kmet and Graham, and that's it. So if an opportunity becomes available to add a tight end for really cheap, the Bears seriously need to look into it. And I think they should focus on a receiving tight end rather than a blocking tight end because you have some blocking tight ends on the roster like Holtz.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I I think Jimmy Graham can block a little bit too. And Cole can do that too. So, I mean, like, you know, you could, I mean, it's not necessary that those guys can always go on receiving routes or anything, but like, I understand that point because we haven't had like very, very good success since we traded Greg Olson to the Panthers. Fuck you, Mike Martz explicit. I hate that. I hate that, man. I'm sorry for the language on this podcast, but you know, I will always hate, the front office, Mike Martz, Lovey Smith for that move. You know, we had a Pro Bowl tight end in our hand right there and we just gave him away for peanuts. And I think one of those picks turned into Chris Conte. So, yeah. Um, And Henry Melton, I think, if I'm remembering correctly. I can't remember. Anyways. um, But, like, yeah. You know, you said, like, we have tight end problems as long as we can remember, right? It's been, like, year nine since we traded that, uh, since we traded Greg Olson. And it hurts. So stay because you mentioned Jimmy Graham. You mentioned all those guys that we had. Kellen Davis, all those guys that we had. Those guys are um, recognized as stop gaps. You get them from a year or two. You know, we only had Martellus Bennett for like I think two years, and then, then we flipped them for a fourth round pick to the Patriots. You know, I mean, we, we just never had any succession at the position since Greg Olson. And you know, now is the time to start with. Um, with Cole commit and like you mentioned, man, I mean, we need to add another tight end. Like, I don't know if you're going to bring back Demetrius Harris, and I strongly believe the four tight ends that you mentioned um, uh, what are these names? We got Jake Butt, we got JP holes Jesper Horsed, and um, some other guy that I don't know, but like, yeah, those guys. Oh, Jake Butt, that's right. Um, Yeah. So those four guys, like you mentioned, you say they're going to, I guess, push each other in training camp. But I, I I think like two of the spots for training camp are just set in stone, Jimmy Graham and Cole commit. So you really essentially have four people battling for one spot, but I really think none of those four are going to make it. I think the bears are going to make a move in August and bring like, like a veteran in, um, like a five or six year veteran. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm I'm intrigued to see what they do with the position. I think that I agree with you. They need a tight end, and they need like more of a veteran tight end, not not these guys. I don't I don't think.
0: Yeah, I think when you just talk about some of these veteran tight ends, I mean, well, let's be honest, and and I fully believe that had the Bears had the opportunity to bring it, the Bears, look, they had their opportunity to bring in some veteran tight ends. I mean, Kyle Rudolph again. I understand signed for six million the Giants this offseason, so but he could have been an option, but there's still some interesting names out there. I mean, again, Greg Olson's not coming back. You have Jesse James, Tyler Eifert, who Tyler Eifert would make some sense because he was with Bill Lazor and Andy Dalton in Cincinnati. And then take a look at someone like a Virgil Green, for example. I think those are some names. I mean, Trey Burton's still a free agent, but he's not coming back at all. So ultimately the Bears need to go out and looking at Tyler Eifert might just be the best case scenario For Chicago, because on over the cap, he is listed as a street free agent, which is basically an unrestricted free agent. That would make some serious sense for Chicago. All right, Tyler Eifert. So I think that's a name to continue to keep an eye on. Now, he was with the Jags last year. He's 31 or 32 years old. But again, I think if you look at Eifert, just his production in general it's been something that hasn't been overly terrible i mean we're talking about a guy who entered the league in 2013 he has started 41 games i understand there was a point in 2017 2018 where towards the end of his career in cincinnati he was hit with a whole bunch of injuries but if you look at just last season, I mean, he did have 36 receptions on 60 targets in four starts, which I understand. And he averaged 9.7 yards of reception. I understand that's not super eye opening to anyone, but it's still interesting. It's still, I think, in a bit of an upgrade from Jake Buck because you are getting a guy who throughout his career has averaged about 11 and a half yards of reception.
1: Yeah, dude. I mean, like. I mean, Tyler Eifer would be that guy. I mean, like you know, if if Trey Burton wasn't wasn't signed a couple of years ago on the on the Bears, then maybe he would have been a target. But there's no way we're gonna go out and go get Trey Burton again um, after what happened with the medical staff and all of that stuff. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, like I I haven't had a chance to look at like the free agency list, but like you know, if like. It says that he is a free agent currently, right now. Tyler Eifert. I mean, like, you know, I, I like the numbers that he put up. I mean, it's not necessary that we need a guy that can go get like 130 targets or and have like 70 catches. You know, we could we can evenly distribute it, right? It's not necessary that like you know we have to be like San Francisco and just have one tight end to depend on. You know, so it, a tight end room of Jimmy Graham, Cole Komet and Tyler Eifert would be like, all right, you know, maybe we're actually serious about this, but maybe, like, I don't know. uh, What's the update on Zach Ertz? Um, If he's healthy, maybe. What do you think about him?
0: I mean, Philadelphia would have to release him because the Bears are already down some draft picks in 2022. Mm -hmm. They don't have a first, they don't have a fourth, and they definitely should not be giving up a second or a third. No, So Ertz would... Ertz would make sense from the perspective that you wait and see if Billy releases him as part of those 53-man roster cuts. And ultimately, just wrapping up this tight end thing here, it is just, yeah, there's not enough depth, okay, at positions like tight end. It concerns me because you have Justin Fields who you're going to be. The story of the 2021 Bears is going to be about Justin Fields. That's just the reality of the situation. But if you can build up depth to continue to surround your rookie quarterback because, again, the last time you had a rookie quarterback in Trubisky, You did not surround him with enough depth. There wasn't enough depth on the roster to warrant some of these guys going down. Like Cam Meredith, Kevin White got hurt. All of a sudden, your wide receiver one is freaking Kendall Wright. So Ryan Pace needs to get on this here and not sit on his hands. He needs to look into a guy like Tyler Eifert.
1: You know, absolutely. Absolutely, man. You know, I mean, now, now is the time to like, you know, stop missing on players and like now it's not to sit on sit on your butt under um and sit on your hands and stuff just really make the moves because i i really thought that morgan moses was just stolen for us from the for, from the jets man i mean i don't know what the what the love of jermaine Fetty does to the bears or anything like that i think he's blackmailing them but like you know he's not but like you know that's just what i think
0: Joining us now though on the Fireside Bears podcast we've got a very special guest so we've got Eric Jensen in the house you can follow him on Twitter at Eric18Utah it's an honor to have him on here specifically because three years ago around this time I actually DM'd Eric first on Twitter and I was like hey so let me know if you want me on your podcast this summer since I cover the Bears I'm looking to get on more podcasts and now here we are it's a bit of a reverse role but what's going on man?
2: Not much you said. I appreciate uh, the invite to this. uh, Very uh, strange for me to be just talking about Bears. Um, But I mean, I've been I've been doing my homework and uh, I love the NFL and uh, I I'm excited
0: to to chat with
2: you. I'm interested to see where you're at with this Bears roster as we head into uh, 2021
0: definitely yeah i'm excited to get this thing going as well and by the way you guys can check eric's podcast out on every podcasting platform it's called the end zone podcast so he's chopping it up on there once or twice a week okay always some really cool guests on there as well but dude let's get right into it because the bears i think are a and the way i describe it covering having covered the team for five years now they're a team that really has had it in off season where it was a tale of two halves because there was all this hype around Andy Dalton and, you know, possibly someone like Deshaun Watson and then Russell Wilson even. But then, like I mentioned a moment ago, they settled for Andy Dalton in free agency and a report comes out saying, Oh, well, it was only, they only went with Andy Dalton after they knew they couldn't get Russell Wilson. And then draft night, Justin Fields happens but. What was your reaction to the Andy Dalton signing? And then how do you think Dalton's going to be different as a veteran quarterback from a guy like Nick Foles or Mitch Trubisky?
2: Well, I I would say my reaction to the Andy Dalton signing was neutral. I don't think I would consider myself as fired up as some Bears fans were by that move. I think that Andy Dalton is a serviceable starting quarterback. Uh, I thought he played okay in Dallas, um, but he's not someone where I looked at the team and thought, okay, they add Andy Dalton. They're going back to the playoffs next year. I, did, I just did not think uh, that was going to be the case, um, but – uh, obviously, they, they make their draft move, but I, I I was not super thrilled by the Andy Dalton sign. That being said, I obviously, you know, I don't hate it either, but Bears didn't have that many options. I believe that maybe Ryan Fitzpatrick, if they could have gotten him, maybe the better option, but I feel like they got probably the second or third best option available as far as free agent quarterbacks go.
0: Right. And it was a bleak year to sign free agent quarterbacks because everyone was talking about how, and this, again, this story goes back almost a year, but everyone for the last year or so was talking about how, oh, what about Dak Prescott? And then just a few days before free agency, Dak Prescott re-ups with the Dallas Cowboys and signs that massive four-year deal. I think it was like $164 million. And then, so Dak's off the board. And then you realize, okay, you have someone, Andy Dalton, you have some guy named Ryan Fitzpatrick. Outside of that, there weren't really a lot of options because the Bears weren't going to go with someone like Blake Bortles. And then we heard back in January and the early parts of February, hey, could Mitch Trubisky be back? Now, that was all just smoke screen and rumor stuff that I don't think ever happened. I know you being a Broncos fan, for you, one of the big things was could Mitch Trubisky possibly end up in Denver? But then you had a lot of the Denver media and mainly Ben Albright saying, well, Trubisky was never really someone that was in consideration for Denver.
2: Yeah, I don't think Trubisky was ever in consideration for Denver. And I personally wouldn't have been hyped up to have Mitch Trubisky. I mean, I think we've seen what Mitch Trubisky is. And, you know, he does, I feel like he gets beat up a lot. Um, but I, I think he found a good landing spot in Buffalo. I think that that. There, especially, especially if Josh Allen can kind of take him under his wing. Josh Allen and Mitch Trubisky's career paths ha- have not been entirely that different outside of the leap that Josh Allen took next year. If Josh Allen can get Mitch Trubisky with a guy like Jordan Palmer, can get Mitch Trubisky to these quarterback gurus and work with Mitch Trubisky in the offseason, who's not to say, but maybe someday he gets another chance to start in the NFL if he fixes the problems that largely Josh Allen had, which were accuracy and turnover issues.
0: And one of the big things with Trubisky there in Buffalo is going to be interesting because the offensive coordinator Brian Dable for the Bills, he's was supposed to be... a he got a head coaching job in 2021, but he appears if he's going to get it in 2022. And it just so happens that Mitch is on a one-year deal. So we're going to go ahead and see. Could Trubisky actually be starting somewhere in 2022 after having sat and marinated himself in a system that he'll have a full year to learn. But listen, let's get back to the bears here. And one of the things that I think is really interesting is that a lot of the national media talks about how, well, even though Justin Fields is in the picture, they Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy are still on the hot seat. Now, I do not believe that it's true. If you talk to anyone that covers the bears here in Chicago, that's not a part of the national media, like the local beat writers. One of the things they're going to tell you is no. Pace and Nagy are not on a one-year deal at this point. They seem to be on like a two to three year. They're operating once again on a two to three year windows, specifically as Justin buys them time. What are your thoughts on their job security?
2: Well, it doesn't really surprise me to hear you tell me that because I mean that this is how that ownership group has always sort of operated the Bears. Uh, every single coach it seems they seem to hire is has a super long leash, and I mean I want to say thing too inflammatory on this Bears podcast uh, in, in in the dead of July, but. I don't think it's. I do not think it is a successful way to run a franchise if you are going into the the season with the mindset that Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace are totally safe. I think they should have to earn their chance to keep things up. It really just depends on how the offense looks. If they struggle with Andy Dalton to start with and then Justin Fields comes in and looks good and promising and like he's grasping the offense and like the offense is successful and they suddenly turn it around and they're challenging for slash making the playoffs. Then yeah, sure. They, they deserve to keep their jobs, but if Andy Dalton struggles and Justin Fields comes in and it's clear that he's not reaching his full potential, I think that the Hallis family would be extremely foolish to stick with Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy if Field struggles in year one with this system that has been shown to struggle for the past three years. If they don't get Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace out of there by then, I... I feel bad for Bears fans. But like like I say, you don't surprise me with anything you say. I mean, I it does not surprise me that Bears beat writers are telling you that they are entirely safe. And it would not surprise me if the Bears stumble into something like six and eleven or seven and ten or eight and nine, which is I think think about where they're going to be at this year and suddenly they bring back pace and Nagy. the national media will trash that as they should it's a terrible move if that happens but i i don't disagree with you i think we've seen that the ownership group will have patience but i think patience Past this year, especially if they struggle, shows incompetence by the ownership group. Quite frankly,
0: I think if you're Ryan Pace and you're Matt Nagy, and I'll have a follow-up to this, your statement right there in just a moment. But I think if you're Ryan Pace and you're Matt Nagy, and then you're the McCaskey family, and you're Virginia House McCaskey, you're looking at this and saying, "Hey, well, we." have not had a quarterback since I've been alive. And again, Virginia is like 90 something years old. And so Justin's probably the best thing that's ever happened to Chicago. We failed with Jay Cutler. All right. And Cutler had whatever, like three offensive coordinators in his first four years. You absolutely flopped with Mark Trustman, who was a CFL guru, not an NFL guru. John Fox, again, was just a stopgap guy because the entire team needed an overhaul. And you needed to have at least someone who was going to instill stuff like discipline onto the so what was at the time a young roster. And then in comes Matt Nagy, and you're hoping Nagy couldn't get it figured out with Trubisky. And he took the job specifically knowing he was going to have to work with Trubisky. And now all of a sudden, you go. And Matt Nagy mentioned one of his press conferences in the draft that, hey, yeah, I've had my he didn't directly allude to I've had my eye on Justin Fields since the 2019 college season, but he pretty much alluded to it where I believe it was Ohio state head coach, Ryan day when speaking to the bears media was like, Oh yeah, there's a point where Matt actually called me during the 2019 draft and was like, how about my quarterback? Now, my question to you is this is they, you mentioned Justin Fields, not living up to his full potential as a rookie. What do you mean by full potential for Justin Fields as a rookie specifically?
2: Well, I think he, quite frankly, has um, the potential to be just as good, if not better, than Trevor Lawrence out of the gates. I mean, if you watch his college tape, to me, I see a guy that looks like Dak Prescott throwing the ball and has a little bit of Lamar Jackson to his running ability. And if you combine those two things in an NFL quarterback and that hits, that is an unstoppable combination. And we are suddenly talking about a guy who we have to consider as a top five NFL quarterback. That is the type of ceiling I see with Justin Fields. Um, I think he's probably my favorite quarterback in the class. And that's coming from a guy who covers BYU for his like actual day job. Like, I love Zach Wilson, but I, I think Justin Fields has a chance to be better. And I, if for a second you are seeing Justin Fields succeed in the small stuff, and I'm talking about if he's accurate, if he's avoiding turnovers, if he's moving the ball decently well, if that offense is clearly holding him back, and you will see if that offense is clearly holding him back. If that is what's happening and the McCaskey slash Hallis family doesn't move on from Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy, like, what are you doing? Like you, you have got to maximize this window now because this is a guy where if you do put him in a bad situation the way you put Mitch Trubisky in a bad situation and you waste his four years, he will leave and he will get onto another team and he will succeed because he is that talented of a passer. And if the Bears screw this up, especially with the talent they have offensively, which I think is a little bit underrated, if they screw this up, I I, I really don't know what to do unless my read on justin fields is totally wrong but i trust you know nfl front offices that were down on this guy and saying oh he might be a fourth or some crap like that like i don't know i totally disbelieve that stuff and i mean anybody with a set of eyes can see that he is an uber talented player with a super high ceiling
0: I'll say this and I always thought Justin Fields was quarterback two in this class and well because you brought up Zach Wilson and I know you actually live out there in Utah but my whole thing was this is that for me Lawrence was always QB1 and I do agree because what I took away from your statement was that Justin Fields could possibly end up being better than Trevor Lawrence and those two are going to be tied at the hip just because I think Justin's just a more phenomenal athlete than Trevor was coming out of Clemson. Now, I'll, and I think Justin's a more dynamic playmaker as well compared to Trevor Lawrence. But I want to get your thoughts, man, on Zach Wilson was really, if you go back and you look at the draft, I mean, this was oh, the 2021 draft up until I want to say late 2020 was always known as the Justin Fields Trevor Lawrence draft, all right? And it didn't matter how you had those two ranked. But then you have Zach Wilson that bursts onto the scene. And then Mac Jones, obviously there were the debates about him being a guy that was, I don't think Mac was necessarily a product of the Alabama talent, but you also can't deny that Mac did have a lot of help at Alabama. And sometimes just, we've even seen it in the NFL, how dynamic playmakers make good or average quarterbacks look great, which I think is the case with Mac. But doesn't necessarily mean the quarterback's a product of the scheme. And then you had Trey Lance who went to the smallest school of all. Another guy that is a one-year starter was known as someone that has all the physical tools and traits needed to succeed. A player that was a phenomenal athlete just needs more starting experience. And when I think of those things that I just mentioned with Trey Lance, I'm not saying I'm comparing Lance to Mitch Trubisky, but I think Mitch Trubisky 2.0 all over again in terms of a guy that ultimately did go to a bit of a smaller school. But I'm interested, man. Why do you think Zach Wilson was ranked QB2? Because I think that if you're the Jets, it's if you're the Jets and you're the 49ers, right? Now, 49ers, I think Kyle Shanahan is going to make Trey Lance look better than most people are going to expect because it's such a quarterback-friendly system. But if you're the Jets, why do you think they went with Zach Wilson over Justin Fields? Well, I mean...
2: the I I hate that I'm about to say this, but the comparisons to Patrick Mahomes are just way too easy to make. If you were playing a drinking game where you had to take a shot every time one of these ESPN BYU broadcasts was going on this year and they compared Zach Wilson to BYU, by the end of, like, the second quarter, you'd be blackout drunk, you said. Like, like they. (laughs) People look at Zach Wilson and they see the Mahomesian type throwing off the platform, different arm angles, the arm strength. And I mean, I get that. I think he was QB2 because his his ceiling is super high. I think you get more of a proven product with Justin Fields and this is not to say I don't like Zach Wilson because I really like Zach Wilson I think uh, to be honest with you you said I like every quarterback in this class in that was taken in the first round I think all what what is it now how many were there four right I think all four of these guys are going to have fairly successful careers I think Mac Jones fits in as a prototypical Patriots quarterback, I think he'll he'll end up working out. I think I trust that the Jets are heading in the right direction organizationally with Joe Douglas and hiring Robert Sala and the fact that he's going to have a Lafleur style offense uh, to work with in year one. Plus, they you know they've signed Corey Davis. They draft Elijah uh, Elijah Moore. Denzel Mims is kind of an emerging talent. I think Zach Wilson was number two, though, because NFL teams in the end draft for upside and to try to keep up with the hottest commodities in the NFL. And everybody wants the next Patrick Mahomes. And I believe Zach Wilson and Trevor Lawrence were the two closest things to the next Patrick Mahomes. Although I think that Justin Fields has that kind of upside. People just did not necessarily see that within the NFL front offices. And I think there is some just miss, like the fact that he's an Ohio state quarterback, I do think hurts him because they have not succeeded in the NFL and everybody thought Dwayne Haskins might be an interesting talent and he totally faded out. But I think to compare those two is totally insane because Justin Fields, ha- from the interviews I've heard and things I've read about him, has like a much higher work ethic than Dwayne ha- than Dwayne Haskins ever had. Dwayne Haskins was never going to make it as a quarterback in the NFL and is likely not going to. I, I would be a little surprised if he's on an actual roster this year. Maybe a trip, maybe a practice squad guy, but. I believe Justin Fields has high upside, but I, I guess this I'm just rambling now. But Zach Wilson, the reason he was taken to because of his upside. Really,
0: I also think you have to add this into the equation is that Zach really burst onto the scene and came out of nowhere. And look at what happened about two years ago at this point where Joe Burrow we knew that the twenty. We all thought the twenty twenty draft was going to be the draft of Tua Tagovailoa and Justin Herbert, and then in comes Joe Burrow. So you're right regarding the hot commodity part. In that a team, when a player shoots up the board that rapidly, the way that Zach Wilson did, you are going to open up the eyes of every single NFL team. Because all of a sudden, Zach Wilson's rapid rise up the board did have a major impact on the first round for every single team involved, whether they need a quarterback or not, because the Jets taking Wilson at two effectively does end up altering how the rest of the first round shakes out. I mean, as a result of the Jets taking two, we saw the Vikings trade back and the Jets trade up to get Elijah Tucker. We saw Rashawn Slater go where he did. We saw Christian Darrisaw slip all the way to 23 overall. We saw even Tevin Jenkins slip 39th overall to the Bears. So it really did alter the first few rounds of the draft. But you mentioned earlier that you like the Bears playmakers. I mean, what are your thoughts on this wide receiver trio of Allen Robinson, Darnell Mooney, and Anthony Miller? And I remember you saying in the DMs on May 3rd that Miller seems like a guy that could be a cap causality. Why do you think Miller's going to get cut this offseason? But what are your overall thoughts on these these three guys first?
2: Casualty, one, just so you know for future reference, that's pronounced casualty. Um, and two... Uh let's start with Anthony Miller. I I you turned me on Anthony Anthony Miller a long time ago and every single year I get sucked into the Anthony Miller hype. That's not happening this year. I mean, he proved last year. Last year was year 3 basically and he proved that one he was a head case. He got ejected from a game. I mean, he continued to struggle with drops. I see no way in which he makes it out of training camp, personally. I, I don't think that he will be a guy that will be starting on this roster. I think they have too much tied up in the guys they drafted to try to add speed to the receiving core, which is what they really lacked a little bit uh, last year. But I, I think, you know, guys, as I open up my roster here, Guys like Daz Newsom that they drafted, he's going to be a guy that's going to be competing for that third spot. Because I, and yes, in today's NFL, you need more than three targets, but I don't know. Anthony Miller has just been so bad throughout basically his entire career that I, I just see no way that he makes it into the season as a starter, at least. And I really think it's unlikely that he's on this roster come week one. Uh, as far as the other guys go, I mean, I I don't know that much about Darnell Mooney, but the people I trust say he plays well. And what I saw from him in the playoffs and specifically in that Saints game, I liked. Uh, he, to me, seems like a guy that in year two can take a big step forward and be another kind of outside weapon. And everybody knows about Allen Robinson, obviously. It'll be interesting to see with probably the best quarterback Allen Robinson has ever had and in Andy Dalton, what happens um, with him this year. I think there is a sneaky lot on his shoulders because every year we blame his kind of lack of touchdown production and things like that on the fact that he doesn't really have a quarterback throwing to him. And that's fair. He's an excellent route runner, very physical, makes great catches, but this is a big year for him because Andy Dalton really is the best quarterback he has had over his entire career. I believe Andy Dalton is better than Blake Bortles and Mitchell Trubisky. And, If Justin Fields comes in, Justin Fields and Andy Dalton, both of them will be the best of his career. So I expect him to have a big year this year. I really do think that he can have the kind of season that's that's a career year for him that makes people really take notice and say, hey, this is a guy that we've been talking up for a while, but everyone has been sleeping on him. And we could be talking about him as a potential Devontae Adams you know DeAndre Hopkins type talent. If a quarterback play pans out this year, and, and I'm and, and by pan out, I mean like league average. Be be the fifteenth quarterback. Be the fifteenth best quarterback in the league or better, and we could
0: potentially see that from
2: Allen Robinson. I feel like. Let's
0: talk breakout players because it's always fun to project who's going to have a breakout season and the bears are interesting because they have a perfect mix of both younger players like first second third year players as well as veterans that are in their sixth seventh eighth ninth seasons even on both the offensive and defensive side of the ball but sticking with the offense here give me one player that's going to have a breakout season on offense and then give me one player that's going to have a breakout season on defense
2: Uh, defensively, I mean, can I say Jalen Johnson? I feel like he kind of had a breakout year last year, but I do feel like he can get better. We always see cornerback is the, I believe cornerback is the toughest position to play in the NFL as a rookie. I mean, look, no further than Jeff Okuda last year, a guy that people talked up and said, this guy will be an all pro for the next 10 years. And he really struggled in year one. I believe we see statistics prove we see the biggest jump from year one to year two. And I truly do believe the biggest jump that you can take is from a year one corner to a year two corner. So I think Jalen Johnson with what he showed in year, year one, I think he can be even better in year two. And we can talk about him as kind of a perennial pro bowler. I, I, I really do like the way he plays. I watched him play at Utah for a long time and uh, I believe that he can be a cornerstone for the defense which they'll need because I was you know I, as I was doing this research it's crazy a bit of that 2018 defense only one starter and that's Eddie Jackson is is left on this defense they have kind of totally uh, de- sorry secondary is left in the secondary they've kind of redone the secondary. And uh, yeah, I mean, I would would say Jalen Johnson defensively.
0: How about on the offensive side of the ball? Because the Bears do have a couple names to keep an eye on. I mean, Darnell Mooney had 61 receptions as a rookie, started nine games, and David Montgomery had about 1,500 yards from scrimmage. But you saw that he was held back due to the offensive line and just – inconsistent offensive line play. And then they have some younger names like rookie Daz some tight end Cole Comet, who was drafted in the second round a year ago. Is an intriguing name to keep an eye on. And then they're getting James Daniels back. But which player is breaking out for the Bears on the offensive or on the offensive side of the ball?
2: I honestly don't know. For one, I have never fully understood David Montgomery. Um... As a player, some people swear by him, but I think from his rookie season where I saw flashes to his kind of second year and and third year. So uh, subsequently, uh, I perhaps it's just because I just don't see a lot of David Montgomery, but he is, he is a guy that I think could break out. I, I, I don't I, I honestly don't know offensively. I think my answer would be Allen Robinson. I I mean I know that he's considered a top wide receiver but like I think the numbers this year could back it up because of if the quarterback plays average. I I I think that people are largely like sleep on him. He's one of these guys where you just throw him in your, you you know, we're in the dead of the offseason. He just gets thrown in these top 10 lists is, oh yeah, I got to mention Allen Robinson or people are going to call me out for <laughs> not <laughs> watching the bears. But I mean, I, I think that he, he does have the potential to really, really, really blow up this year. So I'll, I'll say Allen Robinson. Um, one guy I'm interested in that I don't know if you could consider a Blair breakout player. The last time we saw Damian Williams, you could have made the case that he was the Super Bowl MVP for the Chiefs. It, it, yeah, So I'm really interested to see how he fits in. Uh, and David Montgomery better breakout, or I could see Damian, Damian Williams stealing that spot as kind of your head down, like traditional running back
0: yeah running backs get a lot of wear and tear and so damien williams opted out of this season last year because of covid and so for me it's going to be interesting because i've talked about how i understand why they made the damien williams signing because obviously he was in kansas city for two seasons in 2018 and 2019 he's never had Matt Nagy as one of his offensive coaches, but he's been in the system, so you understand why the Bears decided to bring him in. But then I also talk about how, hey, listen, for a running back that's been out for basically, you you don't know what he's going to look like. And we know these running backs, I mean, they sometimes just have five, six, seven-year careers, and that's about it. But speaking of Williams, I mean, give me your best Bears move of the offseason and your worst Bears move, and best can't include Andy Dalton. Or any quarterback for that matter. Okay. Um
2: I would say their best off season edition. I don't know. I can't be I I, I can't tell you on that one. Because I mean I'm looking at their editions right now. And outside of the quarterback stuff, I I don't really have anything I'm in love with. Maybe I'll just say Damian Williams just to answer the question. But I mean Desmond Trufant is a total gamble at cornerback. Like he has never been able to stay healthy. Um so I, I just I, – I don't know on that side of the ball. The, their, their biggest loss – I mean, you really can't say anything other than Kyle Fuller, really. Um, this is a guy that was playing all-pro level corner for like the, the past three or four years, and suddenly you've lost lost him, uh, which I guess if I can – um. Well, well, actually, I think we'll talk about this with expectations. But I, I have some questions about the Bears' defense.
0: Yeah, I think when you look at the Bears' defense this year, as we kind of get into the expectations, just one of the big things that the Bears have always been known as a defense-first franchise, and then ultimately this offseason when five of your I believe it was seven draft picks are offensive-minded guys. What you're really doing is signaling, hey, we finally want to get with the modern NFL and get away from – this whole defense first approach, we want to become an offense first franchise. And if you look at the Bears rookie class between Fields Jenkins, the offensive tackle Larry Barone, running back Khalil Herbert, and then wide receiver Daz Newsome, that's what you're signaling is that you want to shift things into an offensive direction because you're laying the foundation. Now, the only two defensive guys that they drafted were Thomas Graham Jr. in round six, cornerback from Oregon, and then In the seventh round, pick 250, Kyrus Tonga, the defensive tackle from BYU. But just what are your expectations for the Bears in general? Because I think if you look at their schedule, there's a lot of tough games. But then we know that the NFL is such a year-to-year league that there's a lot of games where you could ultimately see the Bears pulling out a scrappy victory here or there. I mean, just look at some of the tough games. You've got Los Angeles, Cincinnati, um, Tampa Bay even then you have a fully healthy 49ers team that I think the defense in San Francisco could possibly take a step back because you're losing Robert Saleh, but it's still one of the best front sevens in football. And then you have Baltimore with Lamar Jackson The Cardinals, who signed A.J. Green and J.J. Watt this year, and I certainly think that what they're thinking with those two moves is, hey, we're ready to step up and compete for a Super Bowl this year. And then you have Seattle on the roster, as well as the Giants who – I'm sorry, on the schedule. You have Seattle on the schedule. And then you have the New York Giants, who I really think, if Daniel Jones progresses the way that a lot of Giants fans are hoping he does, and the way that our friends Alex and Anthony over at Fireside Giants say – that Daniel Jones is going to progress, that the Giants could be a surprise team. But what are your expectations for the Bears in 2021? Um,
2: I certainly do not think they will be... Most of the time, I think the Bears are going to be terrible. But I don't see that this year simply because of the quarterback situation. I view them as a middle-of-the-road team, you said. I think anywhere from... Six, which I know seems low, but people have to understand with the new 17 game schedule, six wins is an impressive season. Not, not, well, I should rephrase that. I believe a six and 11 season is not a disappointment of a season. I think, especially with the addition of another game, I think mediocre NFL franchises should expect to be anywhere from six wins to nine wins if you get over nine wins you know you're probably going to be a playoff team or a team contending for the playoffs i view the bears as a team that's probably gonna go eight and nine or nine and eight could swing either way they do have a tough schedule um but i mean a lot depends on um the aaron Rodgers stuff too i guess you could say um I believe if he leaves the division, I think that the race to win the division is one squarely between the Bears and the Vikings. Um, I don't know how to feel about the Vikings. They, to me, have are the team I've had the hardest time kind of evaluating this offseason. I just don't know what to think about them. Uh, but I believe the Bears are a team that Will be, you know, okay this year. They aren't going to be a team that's going to be uh, terrible. And it really, whether Pace and Nagy keep their jobs or not, really will depend on the product on the field. Like it's so simplistic to say, but you really can't judge whether your team's successful or not by record. You have to watch the games and and see how they look on the field. There is such a thing I believe as a good 8 and 9 season. There is such a good uh, such a thing as a good 7 and 10 season. If you get to the end of the year and you're staying in games and your offense is progressing and Justin Fields is playing and he looks good, I I believe the Bears are are on the right track. Um Defensively, I do think they are going to regress. They have a new defensive coordinator. They've lost so much in the secondary. There's speculation that Akeem Hicks could be traded, and if they lose him, you and I both know he's very important to that defense. I feel like that would be a major loss that would put them squarely into that um, kind of top. 15 instead of top ten defenses, which by the way, this is a good time for me to plug my podcast. Uh we did the top ten defenses this week. That was the theme of the podcast. I did not have Chicago on my list, but uh Nick Farbao, who we had on, did at, at number nine. I, I don't qualm with that, but I just believe they are going to duck out. Now, that's not to say I think the Bears' defense is going to be terrible. I just don't think you can view them as the top 10 unit anymore. Um, but that, I, I would say those are kind of my expectations for the Bears going into 2021.
0: Well, it's going to be interesting to see because, again, this is the first time that there has been a 17 – that we've ever seen a 17-game schedule. And so, for me, I am actually right there with you. I think that the Bears are going to be – knowing that we have this expanded playoff format now and adding a 17th game essentially makes some of these regulars – adding an – let me rephrase – it this way when you add the 17th game and then you have the seven playoff teams now i think what it does is make some of these regular season games a little less worthless per se because you can afford to have a loss or two here and there knowing that you will have extra games down the road to save your season i mean before it was almost like okay well you know what by november and the first or second week of december You had these teams like the Bears last year that were on the cusp of playoff contention or punching their ticket to the playoffs, and then they needed to win out or something. I think that this year, though, you are going to have a bit more leeway, and it's not just the Bears. It's all 32 teams across the league, and you are right. I mean, this division is so contingent upon what Aaron Rodgers does. I think that Aaron Rodgers right now is the one domino that if he falls and he decides I'm not playing for the Packers in 2021, then it's a wide open division. But then if Aaron Rodgers is back, then you automatically know that okay, this is Green Bay's division to lose, but that doesn't mean that a team like a Minnesota for example or Chicago could Possibly sneak into the playoffs as, like, whatever, a sixth or seventh seed. Then you look at the rest of the NFC in general. The NFC this year is loaded, man. I mean, Tampa Bay's bring back every starter. And then you have the LA Rams who upgraded that quarterback this offseason. And then you have these other teams like Arizona, for example. I thought last year was going to be a playoff team because they added DeAndre Hopkins that was going to help Kyler Murray take the next step. They missed out on the playoffs. And then they added Watt and Green this offseason. I think Arizona can surprise. A lot of people. And then Seattle is always interesting to me because, okay, yeah, you have guys like Bobby Wagner on your defense as well as Jamal Adams, but then at the same time, and you have one of the best quarterbacks in the game, Russell Wilson, you have DK Metcalf, you have Tyler Lockett. But the question is that just how is that who besides Russell Wilson is going to step up on the Seahawks, but last one for you here. I mean, you're a Denver fan. You're out there going to school in Utah. And I want to ask you this. How does the... Drew Locke, Teddy Bridgewater quarterback competition compared to Trubisky versus Foles from last offseason?
2: Oh, um, I think one Teddy Bridgewater is much better than Nick Foles, um, who is still on this roster. That surprised me when I saw that that was the case. Um, he's just kind of hanging out good on him, cashing a check with the bears. If he starts at any point this year, that's a big problem for the bears. Um, lock. I I, I don't know so much about lock. I don't know. I think that lock and Trubisky are similar in a way because of the fact they haven't played that much football, um, combined, but, um, Drew Locke has issues, not that don't come down to whether he has the physical talent or not because the physical talent with him is there. Like he can make the throws. He just lacks any semblance of field vision. He doesn't really fully understand how to go through his reads. And he also has a turnover problem. Uh, So I I would say it's similar. I mean, the Broncos are in the same place the Bears were last year. I mean, this thing's... I don't know. I don't really know what to think about the Broncos. I do believe that if Teddy Bridgewater starts, they will be a team that will contend for the playoffs. But if Locke's the starter, I mean, you really have to hope he takes a jump like Josh Allen, but I, I've said this many times before, he has never once shown the flashes Josh Allen showed in his first few years. Um, that has never happened with Drew Locke. Um outside of maybe one or two games so we'll we'll see what happens but uh i believe that i am sad about the quarterback battle because i would have much rather taken justin fields than a cornerback who's probably barely gonna play because you already have like a really deep cornerback room so uh yeah, I mean, I'm not too thrilled about it, but I'm never too thrilled about the Broncos. That said, I do believe that they might have a, a, some All-Pros this year. I mean, I think Bradley Chubb is going to have an absolutely amazing season. Uh, I believe he'll he'll be an All-Pro type guy. I believe we'll be able to look back and view Kendall Fuller as a guy who played like an All-Pro. Same with Justin Simmons again. And... Uh, you know, no matter who's playing, I do believe Cortland Sutton. People have forgotten about Cortland Sutton, but I believe Cortland Sutton is one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. And he, he was a second-team All-Pro when he had Brandon Allen, rookie Drew Locke, and who else started that season? Oh, I forget now.
0: Wasn't uh, it Brett Ripien?
2: Yeah, maybe Brett Ripon, but I don't think that's right. Oh, it's going to bother me. But he had three different quarterbacks thrown to him in 2019, and he was still a second-team All-Pro. So I believe that there is talent on the Broncos roster and that they will not be a five-win team. I believe they'll be better than a five-win team. How much better? That really all depends on the quarterback play.
0: Yeah, it seems like for – a lot and by the way, that was a super hot take there, thinking that if Teddy Bridgewater starts for the Broncos that they could contend for the playoffs, because you why? are an individual why is
2: why is that a hot take? I I I I don't know. I, I I I realize I'm a Broncos fan, but let me make the case for you. Do you not agree that the Denver Broncos defense is a top three NFL defense?
0: So let me let me break it down this way. First off, your head coach, Vic Fangio, as well as the defensive coordinator, Ed Donatel. I mean, having seen what those two did over a four-year period in Chicago, and I've, I was one of the people saying this last year, that I believe that Denver's defense was going to be one of the more underrated units in the league because Vic Fangio made the Bears defense in 2015, 16, and 17 look good. I mean, everyone's going to remember Fangio here in Chicago for what he did in 2018. But you have to remember is that at the end of the 2017 season, and this is before Khalil Mack and Roquan Smith arrived in town because those two arrived the following offseason, the Bears had a top 10 defense statistically, okay? Now, my biggest thing is this. I love Denver's roster just overall. I think it's one of the better defenses in the NFL that's clearly being slept on, specifically because people just look at the record and they say, oh, well, there's a team that, again, I forgot how many games the Broncos won last year, but they had a top 10 draft pick, right? So a lot of people are going to be like, oh, well, the Broncos aren't good because they were drafting in top 10. But I really like the roster they have. I mean, they have KJ Hamler. Um, I know they cut Deshaun Hamilton this offseason, I believe, or he's still on the roster. Correct me there in just a moment. But then I love no, Jerry Judy. Judy,
2: he actually suffered an injury. So he got it. He okay. not Okay. playing this year.
0: So I love the running backs room, but again, and then I love Noah Fant as well. He was one of my favorite guys coming out of... Iowa. I think he went to Iowa a couple so, years. So, so
2: a guy you didn't mention that that is really the key to all of this is Jerry Judy.
0: I mentioned Jerry Judy. Judy
2: if uh, I uh, Jerry Judy is one of the top five route runners in the NFL right now, and the simple reason that his numbers were not good last year was one, he dealt with drops a little bit, and two, again. Drew Locke never had him as his first read and never moved off his first read. Mm -hmm. If you give him Teddy Bridgewater, Jerry Judy will be a pro bowler this year. He is that good. He is that talented. And if you have that and Cortland Sutton and Noah Fant and KJ Hamler and a guy in Javante Williams that people are really high on and Melvin Gordon is kind of a secondary back, you're telling me that team with a top 5 defense can't challenge to be a wild card team in the 17 playoffs? You don't think that team can win 9 to 10 games? I I don't know. That seems a little crazy to me, if that's what you think.
0: So so my biggest thing is this. I'm looking at – because there's two – listen, the AFC West is interesting, and we're going to wrap it up in just a moment here. But the AFC West is interesting because you know the Chiefs are guaranteed a playoff spot, and then I really like what I saw from the Chargers and specifically Justin Herbert last year, and I think that's one big thing. I mean, obviously the Chargers are always going to be known as – one of those teams that either really surprise you or just really suck the life out of you. Okay. I've accepted that with the LA chargers at this point. And so when I look at the rest of the AFC, I'm realizing that, okay, you know what, you know, the AFC East Buffalo is going to the playoffs. You know, that, from the AFC South, Tennessee is going to go to the playoffs. And then if Frank Reich has a revival year under with Carson Wentz, then Indy's going to go to the playoffs. Okay, I look at the AFC North, and you're looking at possibly Cleveland, Pittsburgh, as well as Baltimore making the playoffs there. And then so that final playoff spot's a complete toss up. But I do think Denver is going to be good enough to the point where they'll be in playoff contention. Um, it's just going to come down to can they win some of those key divisional games against the Chargers? Not necessarily the Chiefs because I don't Denver. I don't think is Denver. I don't think is Denver is good enough to neutralize the Chiefs. They're not good enough though to like overtake the Chiefs in the AFC West though. That's my biggest thing. But I do think that Denver can get to the playoffs if everything goes right at the QB position. But again, like I've said as as a Bears fan, I'm gonna tell you right now, man. There's so much writing on. Whenever you have a team that's like, oh, yeah, you know what? Everything's going to ride on the quarterback position. That's ultimately what's going to make or break the entire season because the rest of your roster can be great. But if your quarterback sucks, it doesn't matter at the end of the day.
2: Right. And I mean, I'm not delusional. I don't think that they're as good as the Chiefs. I mean, the Chiefs have Patrick Mahomes. Unless the Broncos somehow magically end up with Aaron Rodgers before the season, they are not challenging the Chiefs. They just aren't. Or Deshaun Watson, I guess. One of those two they challenge the Chiefs. But I I yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. I it, it really does depend on the quarterback.
0: Yeah, it's gonna be super fun to watch. And man, this has been awesome. All right, I know we went way over our time, but that's totally okay. So, yeah, I'm so sorry you said I have a tendency. You're good, man. You're good. I do The thing is, mine and y- whenever I'm on your show, it's interesting because we go for like an hour and a half at times, and I'm just like, hey, you know what? Forget the outline. We might as well keep going because I see something or another one of the guests says something, and I'm like, you know what? Let's just record like a three-hour episode because I know we did that once. Um, but so where can people follow you on Twitter and plug your podcast for us one more time?
2: Yeah. Follow me on Twitter at Eric 18 Utah. I tweet a lot, but uh, when NFL season starts, I tweet a lot about the NFL. Um, the end zone podcast. It's a good podcast. Go check it out. Um, at end pod on Twitter. You can find the links to our Spotify and itunes bear uh so that's the best place to start or you can of course search Endzone podcast and whatever uh podcast player you use but recommend going and checking out at zone pod on twitter go follow that and uh that's pretty much it we are taking a one week break for the 4th of july for end zone but we'll be back uh pretty much second week of july we're gonna start doing some division previews i mean training camps right around the season and blank and it'll be preseason. so uh we will we'll see what happens um until then but thanks so much for having me you said i really appreciate the invite
0: absolutely and we'll have to revisit some of these things in december um you know when we are planning to our like end of season review and recap and stuff All right, Bears fans, So, like y'all just saw or heard a moment ago, that was one of my good friends, Eric Jensen. Some really good stuff there about his expectations for the Bears. Side note, he does not believe the Broncos are going to trade Aaron Rodgers anytime soon. There's also some really good stuff about Zach Wilson because Eric does cover BYU because he lives out in Utah for his day job. But anyways, last thing before we get out of here, what's interesting is pro football focus named Khalil Mack a top 10 player in the NFL. And I've got the article pulled up in front of me just for ranking's sake, but what's weird is this. So Aaron Donald is your number one guy. Then you have Mahomes, you have Kelsey, you have Quentin Nelson, Devontae Adams, and Khalil Mack. And Khalil Mack, according to Pro Football Focus, is the second best best defensive player in the NFL. And then after Mack, you have... Bobby Wagner and then TJ Watts. So really in your top eleven, you've only got four defensive line a defensive lineman, two pass rushers, and then a middle linebacker. Dude, what are your thoughts on Mack being named a top ten player?
1: This is a given. Because Khalil Mack, as gener- is, as generational as they get, you know, you say, I mean, when's when's the last time you've seen a pass rusher other than khalil Mack and tj watt came, um come out i think both of them are separated by like seven years or six years or whatever it is so and in that article it said that like he and tj watt were the only uh pff grades over 90 so i mean that's pretty damn impressive i mean like tj watt runs a run to tackle like it's nothing so does khalil Mack and i like last year, I saw Mac flip Tristan Worf So, I mean, like, I don't know if that has anything to do with it. But, like, you know, he recorded 59 total pressures, including in the playoffs. You know, um, he only slipped down to 86. But, I, I mean, guys, to be honest, as a Bears fan, I think he was playing hurt. I mean, maybe with the, with the offseason to get healthier and stuff, I think he's going to come back and give us a really, really strong season. Um, You know, it's Khalil Mack we're talking about. He's a generational pass rusher.
0: Yeah, so I said this on Twitter the other day. I was like, hey, listen, if your justification for – because there are some Bears fans who legitimately believe that Khalil Mack's only good, he's not great. And listen, he's great. He's as good as they get when it Mm -hmm. comes to talking about speed to power edge rushers in the NFL. But I said this on Twitter Mm -hmm. the other day, and I was just like, listen – If your justification for how good a player is starts and ends with just looking at the stat sheet and production, you know what? That's not a very good argument because film wins above all else. So for those of you that are going to talk about Khalil Mack not being a very good player, you know what? Or just being average, whatever the case may be. First things first, you guys have to understand when he signed that six-year $141 million deal back in 2018, he's in a year four of that. There's three years left to go. He was just two years removed from being the defensive player of the year. He was also a guy that a lot of people claimed was kind of like a LeBron James on or Kobe Bryant for the Bears on defense in the sense that he made everyone around him better. What I think is interesting is as great as Aaron Donald is, and this isn't a knock on Aaron Donald, by the way. This isn't taken away from Aaron's game. I think that when you look at Donald, ultimately you have to understand that he's a player that individually impacts the game. Khalil Mack individually impacts it and impacts it on the team level. I mean, he's the re- he's one of the main reasons the 2018 Bears defense went from being ranked 10th overall in 2017 all the way to one of the top units in the league. And the Bears were, like, number one in every category. And I've not seen a defensive player impact a defense single-handedly that much since probably J.J. Watt got in the league. So I understand why Khalil was ranked as the sixth best player. And quite frankly, it's a totally fair grade. Now, I do think that some of these rankings are kind of messed up because ultimately when you look at it, like, why is Travis Kelsey ranked ahead of Devontae Adams? That's something that makes absolutely zero sense to me. Are you legitimately telling me that according to PFF and the way PFF does its grading system, because I've tried to understand it, you're telling me tight ends more valuable than a wide receiver or a guard and Quentin Nelson's more valuable than an edge rusher because Nelson's ranked four and Max ranked six. That's not me being a Bears homer. I'm just, you know, providing objective analysis and really questioning why Mac was ranked six. I think that, if he gets moved up one spot that's totally fine honestly.
1: Yeah, I mean Quentin Nelson is just I mean I think he's the best guard in the NFL. I think he deserves just a little bit just a little bit more praise. That's just me. I mean not just my Notre Dame homerism speaking. It's just you know he is you know when when he went down the Colts were just Shaky at best, you know. He's he's a fantastic run blocker. He's just I, I don't know. I mean, like you know, I agree with you on the Travis Kelsey part, but like you know, I just slightly disagree with you on the uh, on the Quentin Nelson thing. I just think Quentin Nelson is a is a wall, you know. And if we like, you know, I mean, I'm happy with Roquan Smith, but I mean, if, if the Bears had like. Um, the sixth overall pick and the eighth overall pick somehow, man, like how the Browns did all those years. At least we wouldn't fuck up like the Browns did. Sorry, another swear word. My apologies there. But that's the thing. I mean, you know, I think Devontae Adams is he should be three on this list instead of Travis Kelsey what Devontae Adams does to the Green Bay Packers. And like, honestly, I'm sorry, Bears fans. I hope Aaron Rodgers comes back because he's on my dynasty team. And I really need to win this league, win this year because I won. I I lost really bad last year. So I I really need uh, Devontae Adams to show out. But anyways, going back to um, Khalil Mack, you know, it's just, I mean, I think it's fair just because not, not the numbers, but like I think I think Khalil can come back into that top four um, talking range as soon as he repeats what he did in 20, 2018, if that makes sense. You know, I, I just think he's just been playing hurt for the last two years. That's it. You know, the ankle injury and the shoulder injury, that can really that could really um, you know, continue itself, you know? And um, maybe it did and maybe he let it go last year, but like I, I think he got surgery. So Um, Maybe he's ready to go. And if he's ready to go, he's going to have like a 14 to 16 sack season, a couple of forced fumbles here and there, maybe a tip interception. He's going to work his way right back into the top three of PFF and one of the top players in the NFL when it comes out. So I have no issues for the best pass rusher in the league right now. You know, just not.
0: Neither do I, and I think people need to clarify before we get ready to get out of this thing. Aaron Donald's the best defensive lineman. Khalil yes. Max, the best pass rusher, alright? Mm-hmm. You can compare the two defensive players, but positional-wise, positional value, you know what? They're two totally different positions, but guys, thanks so much for tuning in. I hope you guys enjoyed the interview with Eric. Before we get out of here, listen, you can follow me on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram at Usaid Koshal. You can follow AJ on Twitter at Decide 4 We actually also just want A betting podcast as well. We're running a couple betting pages here. So if you need updates on betting, bets prop bets parlays whatever the case may be you want fantasy football advice just go ahead and check out at fs bets and fantasy aj is going to be running that that's FSBets bets and fantasy on twitter facebook and instagram um make sure you're following fireside bears on twitter youtube facebook tiktok and instagram at fireside bears good morning good evening and good night we'll catch you guys next week and a happy fourth ladies and gentlemen bear down